you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can enjoy God's mercy, which mercy means God not giving to us what we deserve. And boy, I know what I deserve, so thank the Lord for that. And that someday we're going to see His face. You know, our dear sister Alicia is almost... She's in the waiting rooms of the gates of eternity. And uh, she says, I can hear the music in my head. And so praise the Lord for that. To those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior, what a blessing to know where we're going to spend eternity. Praise God for that. Well, what a blessing to have the Fraser team with us. Really is. Jeremy, good to see you. I didn't get to see you yesterday and your team here, your family's growing and everything. Brother Fraser is not a stranger here to our church. The first time he came, he gave us something very special. A person called Kelly McAllister, who actually became known as Kelly Kaminsky. So we're indebted to you and your team for that. And he's spoken at our camp several times. And what a blessing there to be at our camp and now in our church several times as well. Brother Frazier, your, uh, your time for you yes, to come. Um, you know, I think about, I've, I've actually told your pastor's story uh, many times to people, many times to even uh, churches, especially even out west too, um, to think about uh, years ago uh, by faith uh, stepping out and uh, to come here. And plant a church, and uh, not just that, have vision for a camp and all those things as well. I mean, this the Lord is is using. That's probably one of the things that that encouraged me most about your pastor is his faith and um, and desire to walk with God. And that's a that's an encouragement and a rebuke to my my soul and uh, and a blessing. And uh, we strive to do the same to live by faith. And uh, thank you for allowing us to be here. We're we're so excited about coming back. I mean, for us, it's like oh, we're we're coming here, and it's like we know you know we know this area, we know these people, and and we're grateful to be able to minister. So this week, it's our prayer that um, not just this morning, but this evening at five o'clock. I know that's beginning. We have a pre-service on discipleship. Honestly, that it's almost like a it's something that's so missing in our world today. And I um, in the last couple of weeks, the pastors have asked me to do that pre-service. Service at teaching time on discipleship, and I've had um, multi people come up to me in the last couple of weeks and just say, "I don't even." It's like I know what you're saying, but I don't even know what you're saying, in the sense that I've I've never experienced this, and I'm this old or whatever now, and I just feel like disciple, discipleship is something I've not experienced at all, and I want to be discipled, and I want to disciple, and and so if that can be an encouragement to you, I mean, we do need this in our world today. We do need to pass that baton to the next generation, and um, and so. Please uh, come. That's a pre-service uh, teaching time. And then also um, uh, then at 5 o'clock, and then special music and all that kind of stuff, too. We'll dismiss. we got the kids program going on, too. Mission Incredible. So it's exciting. I'm excited because I thought, man, I, I see a potential uh, team member in just a couple of years. He was sitting right over here, a little redheaded kid. And, uh, man, that boy can sing. And uh, he's got some pipes. And uh, so it was good stuff. Um, let's take our Bible and go to Hebrews chapter, chapter um, 9. As we turn there, I want to challenge you in this in this this our world that we would think about eternity, that our hearts and minds would be on that world and not this one, that we'd be prepared to meet the Lord, and uh, that's a, a great blessing when we live that way. Hebrews chapter nine, verse twenty seven. I believe tonight I want to deal with Romans chapter twelve, um, which I think is so needed in our world today as well. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, 
And to those who eagerly await for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. I think about this, we hit 27, verse 27, and we deal with the idea of the appointments. And, and as is appointed for men to die once, we all, I think, understand this. This is not something where we walk away and go, you know, what is he talking about? He's talking about death. I'm leaving here. You know, we, I don't think we're going to do that. I don't think anyone's surprised by that. Um, but the truth is, is life is filled with appointments. I, I always tell people, you know, you've got all kinds of appointments. Every day you have appointments. I mean, here, coming here was an appointment, you could say. Um, and some appointments you can avoid, some you can't. Uh, years ago, one of the appointments in my own uh, life was we were doing a ministry where we had 10 services in a week. Uh, I remember at one point in time in Ohio, running across, uh, getting up at early in the morning on a Friday, speaking to a group of Christian schoolers, and then we were going to be traveling and uh, having some more services. And so it was always a new place when these services. So we were in 250 different places uh, in a matter of about nine months. And so it was really busy, but it was great stuff, and we were seeing the Lord work. In the process, I wake up and my tooth was it was messed up. It was something was wrong. I mean, right now I'll, I'll tell you this too. I've got like chemo cream on my nose, if that makes sense. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. As you get older, you get these little skin spot things or whatever too, and uh, precancer stuff. And so you got to get rid of them, or they turn into cancer. So anyway, so sorry that you have to look at my face this week. You know, look at my hair, or look at my arm, or something. I don't know. Um, so, um, but hopefully, like in a month from now, I'll have a really nice nose. <laughs> you know what I mean? That'll be nice. Okay. Um, but uh, we, I wake up and I had this toothache that was unbelievable. I mean, it was like, ah, something's wrong. My mouth was swelling. Uh, they, they point me to a dentist office nearby. I go in and they say, sure enough, it's impacted. It's a wisdom tooth and you need to get it pulled. And then I'm thinking, when am I going to get this thing pulled? I end up um, uh, going about another week and I finish off on that week and as I finish off, they kind of tell me there. It was interesting. I, I go and I ask these people at this Christian school. I said, hey, listen, we're in a rural town in Ohio. Do you have a dentist in your area? And they said, yes, but he's a World War II dentist. Now, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Is that like, you know, greatest generation? Woo! You know what I mean? Like he's been doing this for a long time. What does that mean? I didn't, they didn't tell me. They never told me. So the team drops me off. They went and kind of had fun, I guess. And I went into a dentist office. And as I go into there, they assessed my tooth. And it's interesting because I meet the lady. She was like, um, uh, I think the dental assistant slash the secretary slash the janitor. You know, it's like a little house off of Main Street. And and um, and then the dentist, I never really saw his face. Honestly, he had a dental mask on. And then I'm late thinking later, I wonder if he even had teeth. Like, what if he would have taken it on and there would have no teeth there? But he, I don't know. But he was, he's, he assessed my tooth and he says, well, it's this bottom one that's impacted. But the top one, when it hits it, it causes the irritation. So let's just pull the top one so it won't hit it again and won't cause the irritation. You should be okay. I'm thinking, wait a second. That's not the, I mean, I, I don't know. But have you ever been in one of those situations where it's like going too fast for you? And that's what it's happening to be. So I'm like, ah, like he's telling me, you know, to, ah, but I mean, wouldn't you want to pull the, t-? and then all of a sudden Novocaine starts going in. You know what I mean? It was like a, I thought, I felt like it was like a horror movie. You know what I mean? Like with this, with this syringe. And I'm like, ow, ow, ah, ah. I'm feeling every bit of every thing. And then within moments, right away, he puts dental pliers in, starts yanking my head around, you know, like, ow, ah, ah, I'm feeling everything. And then all of a sudden he says, one more try, he's sweating. He, he then goes, crack, and pulls it out and goes, got it, you know. Stuff's gauze in. I'm thinking, I'm going to die. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, <laughs> uh, he releases me, tells me it's only $60 to get the tooth pulled. And I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty amazing. $60 for a wisdom tooth. Um, but it was the wrong tooth. 
And um, in the process, you know, he had pulled the top one. It's really the bottom one that had the problem. Uh, I was turning green. He actually grabbed smelling salt, and then he broke it, and he stuck it underneath my nose real fast. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm like, I think I'm going to throw up. I'm going to, you know, and then it like, then I kind of calmed down. It was the worst experience. I'd look at you and say this. I, I it's a horrible appointment. I mean, I wouldn't wish that upon my enemy. It was really that bad. And then like a week later, two weeks later, I think it was, um, we're in a place and sitting there. And then the guy comes home and because they would house us, this team. So my wife and I were sitting there and you know, I just asked that conversation. So what do you do for a living? And he says, I'm a dentist. <laughs> and so I gave him a dirty look. And, um, and then I told him the story. He laughed a little bit too. But he said, listen, you come to my place and, and I guarantee you won't have the same kind of an appointment. In other words, you come here tomorrow. I'll even pull your tooth for free. <laughs> I told him I'll pray about it. <laughs> um, but I did. I showed up the next day. It was soothing music. It's like they called me in. It was really nice. I mean, they assessed it all. Said, yeah, but sure enough, it is this bottom one. And we'll pull the right one, you know. And they started putting some numbing cream in. They waited a little while. Then they began to put the Novocaine in. They kind of massaged it in on the way. I mean, everything was smooth. I mean, every, I mean, it was like I didn't even feel the shot going in at all. Uh, they waited a while, tapped on my tooth. Do you feel that? I still feel that. Okay. They talked to me for a little bit longer, and they tapped on my tooth. Do you feel that? I said, I don't feel that at all. I said, okay, it's time. And sure enough, just just moments, it pulled it right out. I mean, everything. I was like, I had a good appointment at a dentist's office. I didn't know I could have that. Sorry if you're a dentist. You know. Um, so, but I think about life. Isn't this life? Life is filled with appointments, some good, some bad. Most, honestly, in this life, you can avoid. But actually, not these two appointments. And here's two appointments from God that he gives to us that are, point, that are appointments that we cannot avoid. So why is God telling us this? I, I really believe here's God in his kindness and his mercy and his love warning us and preparing us um, for these appointments. And I think if we're wise, actually they could be the greatest appointments ever or honestly it could be tragic. And so what are they? And um, we'll look at this in verse 27, but let's pray and ask God's help. God, thank you again for this morning. I pray your help. I pray, Lord, your blessing. I pray for those in here who may need Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lord, they've never been saved. Please open up their eyes to the, their need of Christ. And Lord, I'm thankful that you save people of all ages, kids, teenagers, adults, senior citizens. Lord, it's amazing how you and your love um, can save so, God, I thank you for what you'll do. I pray that. I pray that you would prepare our hearts as believers, that we would be people who would live uh, worthy of the gospel, and, uh, and we would be prepared for these appointments. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. Empower me, please. Use me now. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Verse 27 shows us the first appointment right away. Verse 27, and as it is appointed for men to die once. The truth is, the first appointment is this. Number one, you have an appointment with death. Every last one of us in this room have an appointment with death. Now, I don't think, again, that took, takes anyone by surprise that anyone's going, oh, like, what is he talking about? I've never heard this before, or, you know, or, but the truth is, none of us like to talk about death. I don't think that's a normal conversation. I don't think you are going to go from here, you know, and later go to lunch, and when you go to lunch, you're going, man, I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about death lately. Hey, what do you want on your tombstone? Yeah, yeah, I've been writing my will out, man, it's super fun. I'm like, everything's about this is great. No, most people are not really, actually, most people avoid those conversations. Most people don't talk about this. But actually, it's interesting because when you think about death, you could say this. Death is universal. It's going to happen to everybody, isn't it? It spans all ages. It spans all cultures. I think about this. I, I think about um, 
a couple of summers ago where my grandmother Frazier, at the beginning of the summer, while on a mission trip, uh, we were out here, it's actually three years ago, um, and we had just gone in May, uh, flown to Alaska, actually, to be with two different churches there, and I found out right as we get there that my grandmother Frazier had just passed away battling cancer. She just passed away, and, and I wasn't able to make the funeral. I just, it was too, it was no way. Just by the time I would have got there, the funeral would have been over. It was just one of those things where I'm like, oh, you're kidding me. But I know my grandmother, because she was a believer, and she would have said this, no, don't come back from a mission trip like that to, to, to minister, you know, like her to come to, to my funeral. No, you keep preaching Jesus, you know. That's what my grandma would have said, and so I'm thankful for a good grandma. That same, um, same uh, time right after that, uh, Jonathan Hamilton, uh, many of you know Ron Hamilton, and um, that's the music pastor from our church in South Carolina. Uh, his son, Jonathan, uh, struggled through, uh, had taken some medication years ago that forever affected him, and honestly, for about 15 years or more, battled uh, great depression at times, and they didn't know what to do with this because his medication, I mean, it just, it just changed like a personality overnight. I mean, it was like, whoa, and um, they couldn't regulate it. They didn't know what to do and at times of ups and downs and a time of a low time, actually, uh, actually on Mother's Day, uh, he committed suicide. It was tragic. Um, tragic. Uh, later that summer was the summer where Chad and uh, Courtney Phelps, some of you guys remember, might remember those names, where, where he was coming back from camp. And they were, went to Camp Kobiak, and they were a church in Indianapolis and made their way back. And the, they got off on the last exit to, to make it one mile from the church. That's where they were. The bus overturns, it got, the brakes went out, um, and the youth pastor, his wife, dies. She's one month from delivery. The baby dies there. Uh, another lady who helped in that trip uh, with the youth had multi, multiple kids, and she passed away. It's, you know, you think about life and death. At the end of the summer, my grandmother, my grandmother Smith, my other grandmother, died. I was just like, whoa. It's like, it just was a reminder to me that death is universal, but it's not final. Why do people die? Well, the scripture teaches us this. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, says this. It says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. It's Adam. Remember, sin enters into the world. And then what does it say? It says, and then death by sin, because see, the wages of sin is death. And so death by sin. And it says, then death passed upon all men because all have sinned. And the nature of this is that is that because of sin that brings death. It doesn't mean that every time someone dies in the sense of like a car accident of two, it was related in a sense to a sinful thing necessarily. But the idea is the whole reason mankind dies is because we are born sinners and we can t- we, we we do sin. We just sin, and and so the wages of our sin is death, not just physical death, but it's eternal death, spiritual death. There as well, where we, our souls will go somewhere for all eternity. Some people say death is, oh, you know, no, 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 death, death is, is, is just, it's one of the things you live and you, and you die, so live it up. Like dumb advice. Um, because the truth is you will live somewhere forever. In eternity, you will go one of two places the Bible speaks. And it only speaks of those two places. So when you think through this, you're going, this is, this is, death is not final. It is universal, but it's not annihilation. It's separation. Jesus taught this in Luke 16 with the rich man and Lazarus. Very clear that, that you go somewhere forever. And then not only that, but for a person without Christ, there's a major danger in death. I, I say this to say if you're without Christ, because you will face eternal separation. 
See, when you sin against an eternal God, there's an eternal punishment. And this is the big dilemma. And if we're not careful, what happens is we think that somehow we can get there. You know, like, like oh, God, well, you know, he's a God of love and a God of mercy. And, and I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll be a good person. I'll do, I'll do better because I didn't do so hot, you know, early in life or something, you know. And so you try to reform your life. But that doesn't take away your sins. And going to church doesn't take away your sins. And going underwater in front of people doesn't take away your sins. And, and answering questions correctly in confirmation does not take away your sins. You understand all of these things do not take away sins. Um, talking to a pastor, shaking his hand, doesn't take away your sins. Going to a priest doesn't take away your sins. Actually, there's one mediator between God and man. It's the man, Christ Jesus. Now you say, why Jesus? And why are you saying this? Well, the, here's the point. Let's look at this because if we look back a little bit further. We'll go to verse 20. In Hebrews chapter 9, we see this. It says, saying this, this, this is the blood of the covenant which God hath commanded you. Then likewise, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission, no forgiveness. He's speaking about the Old Testament sacrificial system. Remember this? Remember the, the tabernacle and even the temple of God in the past? And how they would slay an animal and, and yet to purify these things, they had to make sure it was an unblemished animal. And then they would take the blood, they would sprinkle different things as ceremonial cleansing and purification for things. So it's given us this picture, but, but it's also telling us there's a, there's a need for the perfect lamb. Because in the Old Testament, there wasn't a perfect lamb, so they had to continually do the sacrifices. And it was a constant reminder, and, and the pain even of that, and everything about this was a reminder about how bad sin is and how much we need a Savior. But we couldn't be rescued by the power of the blood of bulls and goats, which actually is Hebrews 10, verse 4, tells you it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. But when you think about this, there's so without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. That's why, I mean, I could die for you and shed my blood for you, but it wouldn't do you any good because I'm a sinner too. You need the perfect, the perfect person who is sinless from the beginning. And there's no other person except for Jesus that fits this. And that's why he's the Messiah. That's why we look to him. And, and when we see this, it's interesting because you go to verse 23. It says, therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So there's going to be a better sacrifice. What is it or who is it? For Christ has not entered into the holy places, places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often. As the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another. He then would have had to suffer since the foundation of the world. But now once at the end of the ages, he hath appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. That's awesome. That's amazing. That God loved you so much to provide a way for you to be rescued. Now, wait a second. So anybody who actually is saying, I don't want my sins. I want Christ to save me. Turn to Christ and trust in Christ as, as your Lord and Savior. Yes, I want Jesus to rescue me. Okay, when that happens, a transaction occurs where you go from being a child of the devil to a child of God, a child of darkness, to a child of light. It's Christ alone who does this. I had a serious argument. As, oh, man, it was a. It was good, though, honestly, because I think this guy didn't understand this. He, he thought that you had to be baptized in order to get to heaven. It was last Thursday night after a cola wars. And, and, um, and at some point in Scripture, in Scripture to Scripture to him, it's interesting to think that people trust in other things. And I said, sir, if, if you're trusting in something other than the finished work of Christ, then you are not saved. 
And you need Christ to save you. Jesus did it. The sacrifice was complete. It was a once-for-all sacrifice. It's everything we need. You don't add to the sacrifice. That's like a slap in the face of God. And 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 the truth is, is it's, that's why it's enough, too. And so, so sure enough, here's Jesus. And the sacrifice was authenticated. Death, burial, resurrection. I mean, he fit the bill of the Messiah. Everything about it. It was God accepted the sacrifice. And yet, the truth is, if you sin against an eternal God, there's an eternal punishment. That's why we need Jesus to save us. So a person who dies without Christ is is in danger because they will face eternal separation from God forever in hell to pay for their own sins. When you sin against an eternal God, there is an eternal punishment. Therefore, you need an eternal sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice, and that's Jesus. But think about a person who actually does trust in Christ. Many of you sit here and there's been a time in your life where you have actually turned from your sins to Christ. You've trusted in Christ alone to be saved. And that's a great... Think about death for a Christian. It's a delight. Because for a Christian, what does that mean? It's like, think about this. For a true Christian, I mean, here's scripture that tells you the gift of God is eternal life. That's that's nice. It's a gift from God. (laughs) That's good. I think about to the criminal on the cross, to the thief there, what does he say? He says, behold, today you will be with me and where? That's good. Paradise is a good place. You know what I mean? He's talking about heaven. He's he, Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and then to die is what? Yes, it's better. I mean, if we really had an eternal perspective like Paul, we'd be going, dear God, if I die today, praise God, that'd be awesome. No one's going to be in heaven going, man, I sure wish I was back in Eugene. No one's going to be that way. And so the truth is, Paul said death is actually even swallowed up in victory. He so struggled with it in, in first, in, in actually the first chapter in Philippians. I mean, he's saying, listen, I, I, I know it's me, more needful for me to be with you, but my real longing is there. And so the truth is, anybody and everyone has this appointment with death. Let me ask you a question. If you were to die today, are you sure you'd go there? Because scripture tells you that these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I wish, I hope, maybe. No, you can know this according to scripture. And so there must be a time in your life where you turn from sins to trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the truth is, if that's happened to you, praise God, because according to scripture, boom, guess where you're going? Whoa, I'm going to heaven, man. I'm going to be, and it's not just a heaven. It's not no pain and all that stuff. The glories of heaven is who's there, Jesus. That's, that's, that's the glory of heaven. But number two, look at this, verse 27. And as is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So you could say this, number one, everyone has an appointment with death, but number two, everyone has an appointment with God. I mean, judgment means it's we're going to be judged. So, so that means we're all going to stand before God for our life. Every, every one of us will stand before God and give an account of our life. You might even say, well, Jeremy, I don't believe in God. Every one of you will stand and give an account of your life to God. But I don't believe in God. Maybe you didn't hear me. It doesn't matter if you don't believe in him or not. You will still stand before the judge of the universe. So reality is we look at this and say, okay, so we have an appointment with God. Yes, there's two. There's two real judgments you could say in Scripture. One of them that we see is one called the great white throne judgment. Let's real fast look at this for just a second. Take your Bible and you can hold it there, your spot there, but go to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 20. Revelation 20, 
and verse 11. This speaks of the end of the thousand year reign of Christ. At the end of the thousand year reign, there's a rebellion. Satan uh, then is crushed and thrown into the lake of fire for all eternity. That's found in verses, um, verse 10 of, of chapter 20. Then verse 11 speaks of this. And think about, too, think about the eternalness of, of it. Verse 10, actually, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And again, this is speaking of future. That's where they would be. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven, they fled away and there was found no place for them. This unbelievable, majestic scene in heaven with the purity and glory of God on this white throne, this glorious throne, everything flees from them, flees from it. Verse 12, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Now, at first glance, you might say, well, see, your good works get you there. No, actually, everybody's works here are found deficient and they all end up in the same place. And you'll see that verse 13, the sea gave up the dead who were in it and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is tragic. There may be some of your loved ones headed there. That is tragic. Neighbors. Do you you realize this this world? I mean, as a whole, unless they are born from God, eventually they will end up here in this judgment before God. Their works will be found deficient. It doesn't matter. They've sinned against an eternal God, a holy God. And because of that, there's an eternal punishment. You can't get into heaven. Heaven is totally pure. Actually, Revelation 21, the very end of it, talks about how nothing will enter into heaven that will defile it. It's totally pure. How, Therefore, if you have sinned even one time, and reality is even that, you've been born a sinner, so no way it's possible. But if you were to enter and be in the presence of God to be in heaven, you would ruin it. That's why you need Jesus to rescue you. But it's amazing. This is a, a judgment for lost people. This is for those who are not believers. But there's a judgment for believers, too. Let's look at this one real fast. Go to go to first Corinthians chapter three. OK. As we turn to first Corinthians chapter three, we kind of see the point of this one. This one's called the. The judgment seat of Christ, or often called the Bema seat, this is for those who are truly saved, who have been born from God. As 1 Corinthians chapter 3 will tell us and teach us about it, I will just quote to you a verse that you know in 2 Corinthians. It's 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 that tells us this, that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Paul is saying this to the believers in Corinth. So he includes himself with this judgment. The great white throne judgment, that does, it does, those are lost people going to hell for all eternity, if that makes sense. The, the eternal abode, it's, that's where their final thing is. It's, it's, but then this is a different one. This, this here, as you look at this, this is for believers. You say, what's the point of this one? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and let's look in verse 11. Okay, let's look in verse 11 as we see this. Now, as we say this and we look at this, I want to be very dogmatic, okay? I, I can be dogmatic about dogmatic things. Okay, here we go. Ready? Here's one of them. Um, This is not a place where Christians are facing their sins. 
Did you know that? The judgment seat of Christ is not a place where you're going to be judged for your sins. You say, well, how do you know that? Because actually Romans chapter 8 verse 1 actually tells us this, that, that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, the truth is, is when you got saved as a true believer, what happened? Past, present, and future sins all paid for at the cross. Okay, so we're not facing that again. But you say, well, then what's the point of this judgment then if we're not facing our sin? And actually tells us, verse 11, he says, for uh, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test every each one's work of what sort it is if anyone's work which he had built on it endures he will receive a reward and if anyone's work is burned he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire now what's what's this all talking about it's talking about a place of examination what you've done in this lifetime will be revealed it, it it'll be it'll be it'll be examined and when you think through that for a minute, you go, okay, well, okay, we can understand that because because we understand what a bema would be, which is another word for a judgment seat. Uh, Paul stood at a bema before uh, a governor named Felix and was was standing there. And remember what he said. He said in Acts 24, verse 16, he said, And herein do I exercise myself to have this conscience void of offense towards God and towards men. Do you know why he said that? Because Acts chapter 24, verse 15 says this, he believes in the resurrection of the just and the unjust. One a resurrection unto life and one a resurrection unto eternal death. He believes this and he knows he's going to stand before God because he knows he's going to give an account of his life. What does he do? He exercises himself to have a conscience void of offense towards God and towards men. So he is, he is being very careful in his life, how he lives, because, and he's making sure he gets things right with God and with man. I mean, the truth is, is, is we naturally, even as Christians, we do sin. I always tell people we're not sinless as Christians, but we should sin less as Christians. And so we look at this and we say, so here he is being examined. And the truth is, it says that, that, that these works in verse 13, each one's work will be made manifest. It will become clear. Of what kind of work it's going to be. And so here's the Lord. It's going to be revealed though by fire. So there's going to be a tryingness. So the truth is, is all the junk work that we do. You know, that's, and I don't mean like because you, you go to work and, you know, it's not a ministry job that it's not worth it. No, 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 no. It's, it's talking about the things that we would do for the Lord. And as we serve the Lord with our life, if we serve the Lord for our life with, with our life for the wrong reasons, you know what I mean? And, and we've all done it. You know, it's like you, you say something maybe to be seen or heard or you want someone to pat you on the back because you served or something like that. And those kind of things are, are worthless because you're trying to be seen of men. You have your reward. Um, and so the truth is, as we look at these, we say, okay, wait a second. So it's going to be made manifest, yes, but it's a place of reward. This is the whole point. Examination and reward. I mean, when you look at this, and it's an exciting thing because they will become clear. And each one is, it's like in verse 14, if everyone's work, which he had built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. The person will receive a reward from God. That's amazing. 
That God loves you so much, he wants to reward you and bless you. And that's very true. We see this encouragement throughout scripture with rewards. Actually, at the very end of the Bible, I love this, Revelation 22, verse 12. Let me, let me quote this one to you. Revelation 22, verse 12 speaks about Jesus as he's saying, I'm going to come. And it's the very culmination of scripture. And he says what? In verse 12, and behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give to every man according to his work shall be. And he's talking to true Christians because a lost person doing good things for God doesn't impress God or anything. I mean, the truth is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't take away their sins. They're going to still end up in the same place. He is talking to true Christians saying, listen, I'm coming and I've got a reward to, to bring. I mean, this is exciting this for, for a true believer. Whoa, okay, so we're going to be rewarded? Yes! When I think about the Bema, it's also, I think about Corinth, and the truth is those guys would stand up on a Bema um, when they would receive their reward at the Isthmian Games. It'd be like our modern-day Olympics, leaning forward on that podium and leaning and actually receiving the medal. And those guys got tears, and they're not saying, get me out of here, I hate this moment. Everyone's looking at me. No, they're going, this is amazing. If I could somehow make it back to this, man, it'd be awesome. So you have this whole thought there of going, okay, a place of examination and a place of reward. So what should this do for us as Christians? Okay, because I think this should affect us. Let me, let me barrage you with a couple things. One would be this. It'd be this. It should make us have this desire to be right with God and others. And if we're going to stand before God, we really should examine ourselves. Is there anything between anybody here? I mean, is, is there anything between a, 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 a spouse, you know what I mean? Do you think about a husband-wife relationship? Is there anything there? Is there a clear conscience? Is there, is, is there, is there freedom there between the two because, because everything's right? Um, and the truth is, is how often do you sin against your spouse? Daily? I mean, how often are you selfish towards your spouse? Every day? You say, well, I work far away, you know, and so I'm not even around her. And they, well, that's probably selfish too. You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, like, we are selfish. We do. The way we respond, the way we act, the way we are towards kids, the way kids are towards adults, the way, the way we are towards the church members. And this is why Paul is saying, listen, I want to be right with God. I want to be right with others. And I'm doing this on a consistent basis, exercising. But then not only that, I think anyone who really desires to, to, to really be used of God as a Christian and, and this should affect them, I'm going to stand before God, they would seek rewards. They would seek rewards. Not for their glory, though, but for God's. It's like, man, no, I want to do this for God and for His glory and for His goodness. It's not about me. It's about Him. In one sense, you want to say, I want to put Him on display. I mean, the truth is, is in one sense, he doesn't need to be put on display, okay? Because he, but yes, he does. Because here's what happens. When we live for him with our whole heart and our whole life, it does. It makes people look and say, well, something's different about that person. Why? And who does it bring glory to? Well, God has done something in that person's life. Do you see what I'm saying? And so God, in a sense, puts us on display. We can't radiate the, the, the it's like the sun's light. We can't radiate that. But we're like the moon. We can reflect the sun's light. So you look at all this and say, okay, yes, yeah, so we, we seek rewards for God's glory. And ultimately, what happens to all the rewards? We throw them at his feet. It's like it's, like it's all about him. It's not about us. But we seek to reach the lost for their good and for God's glory. I mean, think about this, people. Do you, do you, ever, get, do you ever get broken over the fact 
that people are dying and going to hell. This should stir us. And if it doesn't, we're selfish, self-centered people. We need God to stir us up, to, to give us a, a heart like His with compassion for people to see people get saved. We seek to reach the lost for their good and God's glory. We would seek total commitment to Christ as true believers. If I'm going to stand before God, I want to make sure that I'm right with God. Now, when I think about this, um, go back to uh, where we started, Hebrews chapter 9. As we turn there, uh, let me give uh, an illustration real fast. As we turn there, how many of you have ever taken a test? And when you took a, a test, you weren't really ready. You've ever taken one of those before? Oh, yeah, yeah. You're like, it's not a fun thing, is it? You know, and oh, oh today, <laughs> you know, you're like, at least I put my name on it. You know, I get that right. Um, maybe I shouldn't put my name on it for someone else's. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like you're taking this test and then you just know you've, you've done poorly on it. That's a horrible feeling. Um, but isn't it amazing when you study? And you're prepared, and then it's like the it's like you're waiting for them to just pass it out. I gotta just pass it out, okay? And then it's like, and then you go through and you check it both sides, you know. After you finish, it, you're like, I don't think I missed anything. I mean, really, there's this great feeling because you've prepared, you've been prepared, and been ready. Um, your life isn't a, isn't just like a test. This is your life. I like as some would say, don't waste it. Um, it's not a little test here. This is your whole life. If you've wasted the past, then confess and forsake it and move forward. Um, uh, I think about the summer times with camps in the summer. Um, for years, we were in one spot. And um, and while we were up at Northland Camp in the summers, we I remember um, one, one of them, we were like, hey, guess what to our kids? Guess who's coming? Um, Bryce is coming and Brooke and Blair. Okay, these are their cousins. Well, my boys should get all, you know, we're like, they got super excited. What? They're coming. Yes, they're going to come. Okay, so because Uncle Brent, Danielle, and all of them are coming, okay, we need to clean up. So go in and clean your room. And they're like, okay, Dad. And they run in and go clean their room. Now, that is not normal. <laughs> hey, go clean your room. Okay. Now, normally it's like, <laughs> you know, they go clean the room maybe. They're not super pumped about doing it, but they knew someone was coming and they loved the person who was coming or the people who were coming. And so they wanted to prepare. Jesus is coming. Look in verse 27, 28, as we finish off. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Jesus is coming again. And so as believers, what should we do? We should we should be ready. Could you imagine if you knew he was coming this coming Friday? What would you do? I don't think you'd be like, man, I've got I got to work overtime at my job so I can get some more money. I don't think that's what you'd be thinking. I, I don't. I don't think that's. Man, I, I gotta go to Hawaii real quick. Been waiting to take that trip. I don't think you would do that. I think if you're a true believer, you'd be saying, "Dear God, is there anything between me and you? Anything between me and anyone else? What I want to be prepared? I mean, I'm anticipating this. It's like you, you would live in light of eternity. May God help us live this way. 
And that's why for these appointments, they can be unbelievable, couldn't they? I mean, for a Christian, death swallowed up in victory, and then this judgment for reward and examination. This is amazing, isn't it? But it's not if you're not ready. In that sense that, well, you could have could have been rewarded, but no. I mean, you make it to glory, but sorry, Jesus, I, I wasted it. I know you gave me life, but I lived it for me. May God deliver us from ourselves. Let's pray this morning. Father, as we look to you and we're thankful for the word, we are challenged by it. Lord, a constant reminder of things that we know. These aren't new things, I don't think, to any of us. But, Lord, may we live out the gospel. Lord, there are some in this room who can't live it out because they've never been born from you. So, God, I pray that they would be humble enough and honest enough that you would work in their lives and that you would save them. And for those who are in Christ, I pray, Father, that they would live in light of eternity. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, I want to ask this question real quick. How many would say this? Jeremy? If I were to die today, I know I would go to heaven. There's been a time in my life where I have been born from God. I, I have been saved, not from my good works, but from the great work. That, I mean, I've been saved by the great work of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection. I've trusted in Christ alone, nothing else, just Jesus and uh, what he's done for me. And he has saved me. I've turned to Jesus. He's, he's, he's changed my life, and he continues to change my life, Jeremy. I have been I've been saved by the grace of God. I'm ready for this first appointment. If I were to die today, I'd go to heaven. I know that by the grace of God, through the word, I know I'm going to be there. And you'd slip your hand up and hold it up. Jeremy, that's happened to me. It really has. I have been saved by the very grace of God. Amen. That's the only way we're saved. You can put your hands down. Is there anyone here that would, that would be honest enough and humble enough to even say this? Jeremy, pray for me. I'll be honest. If I were to die today, I'm not sure I'd go there. And this concerns my soul. And, and I need you to pray for me, please. Uh, remember me in prayer. No one's looking around, but I am. I'm just looking to know to, who to pray for. I won't point you out, but I'll know to pray for you by just an upraised hand. Jeremy, if I die today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven, and this concerns me. Please pray for me. And you'd slip your hand up, and i know to pray for you. Please pray for me, okay? appreciate that. Who else? Jeremy, please pray for me. Please, I, this concerns me. And, um, and, and you know what? The gospel is for humble people. If you're here today and you need to talk to somebody, I do know this, that you'll, you'll, make, you'll make an opportunity to talk to one of us. And we care enough for you to be able to point you to Christ. Don't leave here without Jesus. Please, please don't leave here without Jesus. Father, I pray for those who need Christ today that they would humble themselves and respond to you. Lord, we want to give them an opportunity to do that as well. And, and um, we know that you are constantly with wide open arms ready to receive sinners. And Lord, if there's somebody here who knows they're lost, I pray that you would open up their eyes to the truth, that they would be found in you today. With our heads bowed, our eyes still closed, how many Christians would say, Jeremy, by the grace of God, as I think about eternity, I really believe I'm living for eternity. I really, I mean, as I look at my life, I'm, I'm, it's like I, I, I am seeking to reach people with the gospel. Honestly, I am seeking to make sure that I'm right with God and others. I, I'm living this way. I do seek rewards for his glory. I seek this total commitment to him. I just... By God's grace, I'm living in light of eternity, knowing I'm going to stand before God. Is that true of you?
If you could say that, could you slip your hand up as a testimony, Jeremy? I really believe I'm living that way by the grace of God. Okay. You can put your hands down. Who, though, would say this, Jeremy? I'm being convicted. I'm a, I'm a Christian. But honestly, the way I'm living or the things in my life, God has shown me some things this morning. And I don't want to brush them off. I really want to humble myself and get some things right with the Lord, even right now in my heart. Jeremy, pray for me. God is dealing with me. And you'd slip your hand up, and I know to pray for you as well. Amen. Many of you. And so that's God and his kindness stirring our hearts. So do something about it. We're going to give what's called an invitation, and, and I want to invite you to respond to the things of the Lord in your heart and life. Would you do that? Let's, would, would you stand to your feet with me as we do, um, with our heads bowed, our eyes closed? Mrs. K is just going to play through an invitational hymn. If this is you and God's speaking to you, would you, would you humble yourself before the Lord right now? Before we just brush out of here so quickly, would you, would you get some things right, please? And if you're here today without Christ, please say something to one of us. Um, some, some, you can come forward if you'd like to do that. If God's stirring your heart and you need to come and, and really pray, would you do that? If you, if you need Jesus, please, we, we invite you. Uh, leave your seat. Come, come, come here for just a moment. And we would love to take someone uh, with you, with, show you from the Bible what it means to trust Christ and know Christ as your Lord and Savior. That would be the greatest day of your life. So don't wait for that if this is you and you need Christ.